Hey again, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Doing fine. Fine. Doing fine. Geez, that, that was rather depressing based on your normal Well, responses. I'm not sure I'm doing fine. I'm, 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 I'm kind of <clears throat> lost. I, I, here's the thing. We, we have been in the playoff every year for five years. So ever since there's been a playoff, we've been in it. Now we're not in it. I can't tell you whether football season is over or not. Is it over? I mean, we have another game, right? We do have another game, and it's, it. I mean, even though it feels kind of like we don't, but it was funny today because I am um, sort of a closet fan of the Dan Lebetard show. I used to not like him because he was so anti-Saban for so long because he was in Miami, but um, I've come around to it, and the show is kind of nonsensical. It's very much like this podcast, although I think they would say that our show, our podcast is more like them. Um, but they had a, they had some, they don't talk college football a ton, but they did today a little bit. And uh, Stu Gotts, who's one of his sort of cohorts said, you know, Dan, I hate saying this and I didn't think I would say it, but I miss Alabama. I wish Alabama was in this thing. He said, you know, I know Oklahoma was going to get the hell beat out of them. I, I don't think Alabama would have. I think Alabama would put up a fight. And so I feel like it, we're kind of getting robbed here. I mean, yes, Oklahoma only has one loss. It was a conference champion, but it feels like Alabama was supposed to be the team in this thing. And frankly, if if everybody had stayed healthy or, if, or healthy enough, so let's just – I mean, by everybody, I mean Tua, I think – Alabama probably is playing in that game, um, if you know, meaning because I think we would have beaten Auburn, and I think it'd be LSU, Alabama, and Atlanta, and Ohio State, Clemson, and the Fiesta, and I think everybody would p- pretty much be cool with it. That's what I think, but maybe I'm being a little too uh, Bama-rific. Well, well, we can't. I mean, Alabama can't be in the playoff. There's two losses, and Alabama didn't win their conference, and other teams with better records won their league. So Alabama can't be in the playoff. You just can't justify that. But That's true. But, That's true. But I think if you ask even the committee members, ask anybody, ask people that don't have a dog in the fight, ask Curb Street, ask, ask you know, some analyst who doesn't have a dog in the fight and just say, all right, take LSU and Clemson out. They're in the other semifinal. Ohio State is is, is – is uh you know on on one I mean no, I'm I'm sorry I totally misspoke there Ohio State and Clemson are in one semifinal LSU uh, is in the other semifinal as the number one seed and they're going to play Oklahoma now of all the teams including Oklahoma but exclude Ohio State and Clemson who has the best chance to beat LSU in that semifinal. I don't think it's crazy to suggest that most analysts would agree it's Alabama. I mean, in terms of who probably has the even, best chance to beat LSU. Probably even now with Mac Jones. I mean, that's as crazy yeah, as that exactly. sounds. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 I so, agree. But that said, I mean, you know, it is what it is. We lost the Auburn game as crazy as it was, as crazy as the result was. We lost the Auburn game. We lost the LSU game. We don't deserve to be there. So we're not. We're playing in a different bowl. And to some extent, I'm excited about it. I guess with my new view of bowls, being that this is the first bowl we've been in in five years that's not in the playoff, I think for the first time in my life, instead of the bowl ending 
2019, I feel like it's the game that's going to kickstart 2020. And it's almost like a part of the new season as opposed to the end of the old one. Do you feel that way? No, I, I think that's the way we should approach it. In fact, that's the way I think all bowls should probably be approached by everybody from now on because with the folks that are going to be sitting the bowls out, and I don't think anybody's necessarily announced they will. Maybe Lavishka Chenault at Colorado, maybe he said he was. I thought I feel like I saw that. Um, but I think that's how everybody should approach it because it is a glorified spring practice now. And I we don't know what the long-term effect of that is. We don't know if – after a few years of this where we have a lot of people sitting out, if people start saying, you know, I'm kind of not cool with this. And then eventually the interest in the bowl season wanes so much that we do start culling bowls, which a lot of people want to happen anyway. Um, but yes, I'm all for saying, okay, let's, let's just treat this like we're, we're a pre spring practice, spring practice, this or pre a day game, a day game. That's what it is. The practices are huge, especially for these young players. You know, that's why, even though, again, we've talked about this before, I'm against the concept of players sitting out the bowls. It bothers me for two or three reasons. Number one, it's like picking and choosing what games you're going to play, even though your scholarship and, and all the benefits you're given by the university aren't diminished, but you're like, no, I'm not playing in this game, even though the team – is scheduled to play in a game. I, I, I don't like that at all. The team is still playing. The, the season is not over. Secondly, you have teammates that depend on you. So I don't like bailing on your teammates when the reason for doing so was somewhat selfish in the sense like, no, 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 I have my own personal interests here. I, I don't want to practice. I don't want to play. I shouldn't have to do this. I would rather just protect my health for the draft. Uh, I think it's selfish. Now, that said, Two things. Number one, I'm not the one wearing those shoes. I'm not the one trying to protect my value or my worth. Uh, I, 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 I do get the players that are sitting out. I get it. I do get it. Secondly, as a fan, I'm like, all right, all right. If you're not going to be back on the team next season, I suppose it benefits the program more to have a guy who might be the starter in that place getting 15 practices and game experience, it's going to more benefit my team at the start of 2020. So I'm, I, I'm against players sitting out, but I'm not upset about it because I see the upside for the player and the program. So I'm not a, upset about it. I'm just against it. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I hear exactly what you're saying. Um, but and I'm like you, I get it. It's just look, it's something we have to deal with now. Uh, that's not, it's not going to change. So, here's what I want to do, Jimmy, today because look, the guest now is we're going to have plenty of recruiting talk, which we will certainly get to uh, as early signing day approaches. And we do have some Michigan talk, but I mean, there's only so many things we can say about Alabama, Michigan between hither and yon. So, I think what we do today is we're going to hit on a few really quick. Uh, pieces of news just around the SEC, around Alabama, maybe even around the country. And then I have something I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to do one of my infamous live reads. And then we're going to, I've got something I'm going to approach with you and we'll get to that. But as far as the news goes, and I can't believe we didn't talk about this yesterday. um, 
Lane Kiffin hired as Ole Miss's coach. Sam Pittman hired as Arkansas's coach, which takes away one of Georgia's primary recruiters, uh, their former offensive line coach. And Eli Drinkwitz is hired by Missouri. And I think that's a good hire, although it will probably get the least amount of fanfare among those three hires. But Lane has landed in in Oxford. It looks like he's going to get around $5 million a year, um, which seems I mean, you could have had me over there for two hundred and fifty thousand, and I can build a tire fire for you. <laughs> I just, it, you know, there, there, there's a couple of different ways to look at Lane's career, uh, and, and and I admit we've seen him coach up close. He's an offensive genius. I'll go that far. He, he's an offensive genius. Now, as a head coach, he has been fired by the Raiders. He was fired at USC, famously on the plane. He was fired at Alabama. And how bad does it have to be to be fired between playoff games where he was fired after a semifinal and before Alabama was playing in the championship game? So you're talking about a guy that's 44 years old that has already been fired from three extremely high-profile gigs. That said, based on the fact he is an offensive genius, based on the fact he has a lot of swag and charisma, based on the fact he is extremely well-known to the football world, and based on the fact that he drastically improved Florida Atlantic's program overnight and there aren't any known public scandals during his three years there, uh, I, I get this. I see this. I think Ole Miss has has won the uh, – I, I mean, can you win the press conference to the point that – I mean, I, there, you know, I'm, I'm sure the school is going to sell season tickets out to yin-yang. There's going to be a lot of excitement over there. I think there's every reason in the world to assume Ole Miss will improve uh, under Lane Kiffin initially. But ask USC how well it went. Ask the Raiders. Even ask Tennessee. I'm not sure Lane is sort of like a bottle rocket. You know, you 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 fire it up; it's all exciting. There there there's sparks flying out out out. You know, there's it's sparks flying. Then the rocket takes off, and it's noisy and it's pretty, and, and, it, and it looks all up. And then there's a boom, and then you're like, "What the hell just happened?" And that's been sort of like explaining Lane at every stop. So has his experience with Nick Saban improved that? Has his experience gained at Florida Atlantic improved that? Obviously Ole Miss believes it. Uh, or, or maybe they're a program that's like, hey, maybe, maybe the good times will only last two or three years, but that, that's, that's good for us. I don't see a program in Oxford that regrets the Hugh Freeze thing. I don't think they regret that. They're like, oh, man, are you kidding? We we won like hell for two or three years. We beat Alabama twice. Uh, yep, even that though is they the irony. The price, I, don't, I don't think they regret it. And so, therefore, maybe they're the right school to say, hey, give us two or three good years. If, uh, if there's a uh, blast radius after that we have to suffer through, then, uh, then we're used to that. But uh, give us the good two or three years and we're fine. That is the irony, though, is that – 
we lost two games to Ole Miss while Lane Kiffin was our offensive coordinator, which is, you know, that's rather bizarre. Uh, those are the only two SEC yeah. games we lost, I guess. Uh, and, hey, and, and not and, and not everything Lane did at Alabama was was perfect. And now I give him huge amounts of credit for the near heck. He turned a defensive back into an All SEC quarterback. Hell, he turned a defensive back into the uh, SEC Player of the Year, and then helped win Heisman's for a Heisman for Derrick Henry and nearly for Amari Cooper. So I give him credit for that. But he's also the guy that said in 2015 in game three, you know who our best quarterback is? Cooper Bateman. That was Lane Kiffin. I mean, so he he wasn't always right about everything, and it wasn't always genius work. Uh, and, and he did uh, get fired, and, you know, in 2016 – we became highly dependent on Jalen's legs and a little less so on on throwing the ball. And while, you know, when you have a true freshman quarterback and you got to work around that, I'm not sure that – I'm not sure we developed Jalen over the course of that season, maybe like we should have, and that might have hurt us at the end. But I'm just saying Lane's great. It's a great hire. It's a better hire than Arkansas and Missouri. In my opinion, it's. It, I, I think Ole Miss will win games with Lane. Uh, I, I think Arkansas. To be honest, I know this is brutal. Thankfully, no Arkansas fans listen to this podcast. But it just seems to me they've just stopped trying to. I, that hire is okay. We have stopped trying to be competitive at football. But that's just no, me. I Maybe think, I'm wrong. No, I agree. No, I think that they they were working through the Rolodex, got to the peas. And Sam was like, you're going to pay me how much? And I'm making how much? And I didn't even – look, I follow recruiting, and I didn't know a lot about Sam Pittman. I didn't know he was always making these Twitter videos, like TikToks almost, of like him shaking two Georgia shakers every time they got a commitment or something and going, yes, sir. And I was thinking, that's 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 that sounds like a guy who would do a lot of calling of the hogs. So this may work out just <laughs> fine for them. Um, and I'm assuming that when they called him and said, we're going to pay you this much and give you a $5 million buyout or whatever it is, he was like, yes, sir. Um, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, speaking of Lane. Just, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no I'm just saying. It, it just boggles my mind that they could have. I mean, uh, two names to me. I mean, Butch Davis, he's from Arkansas. He signed the greatest recruiting class of all time when he was at Miami. He's winning at Florida International. Not winning big, but he's getting Florida International in bowls. You could have hired Butch Davis and said no. Secondly, as we talk about, me and you all the time, Bill Clark at UAB isn't just a coach. He's a miracle worker. What he does at UAB is unbelievable. We've all heard the saying, uh, you can't turn chicken shit into chicken salad. He does. He does it year after year after year. No one wins games with less players than Bill Clark, which sounds exactly like what you need at Arkansas, who's never going to have the horses that LSU and Alabama have. So why they hired an offensive line coach from Georgia, who's never been a head coach to my knowledge, over, over Butch Davis and Bill Clark, I'll never understand that in a million years. But, hey, it helps Alabama. You know why? Because Arkansas is not really good at head coach, and now Georgia lost their best assistant. 
when you, when you put it that way, it sounds like they did a bad thing. Um, but you, that, I was thinking the same thing about Bill Clark. Like, either every time he goes in for an interview with another team, is officially interviewed with somebody, but you would think somebody has called him and, and at least gauged interest in some of these jobs. Either he always has like a booger stuck on his lip or he has a flare up of Crohn's disease and he's just passing gas left and right. I don't know. He's doing something wrong in these interviews if he's having them, because I look at Bill Clark and go, okay, I, I admire a guy like him because I know he's a good coach. And because I know he's got several ties to the state of Alabama, I think he can recruit pretty well. It's hard to judge uh, his recruiting at right. UAB, but I think he can recruit pretty well. And I admire the fact that he seems very loyal to the Blazers. I, I mean, I, I'm saying all these things with love because I think he's a badass. I do. So it's sort of like that episode of Seinfeld when he was dating that really attractive girl and everybody kept saying, you know, why aren't, why aren't you just gaga over her? And he was like, I don't know. Something's wrong. I can't figure it out. You know, and, and that's w- that's what it is. Why isn't Arkansas gaga over Bill Clark? Maybe they think eventually he'll be Alabama's coach. I, I mean, I'm just – I'm picking at straws here. I don't know. Like, he needs to pick at that booger that's stuck on his lip. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't know that he's got one stuck on his lip. I don't know that. I'm just saying there's something where he goes in for the interview and people are like, maybe he has toilet paper stuck to the bottom of his shoe. I, I don't get it. I how you can want to hire Sam Pittman and God bless Sam Pittman. I wouldn't know him if he walked in my house right now, but I know this, if you put Bill Clark and uh, Sam Pittman together and you ask it just about anybody and you say, who, who do you want as your head coach? I think most everybody who knows anything about football is going to pick Bill Clark, right? (laughs) I mean, I, I, I can't explain it. I mean, I, I can't explain. There must be something that I am just blissfully unaware of. But I just know this. Any program in the South that hires anyone other than Bill Clark has made a mistake. <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way I look at it. And, and Missouri, think, this guy. Do you think Bill been, Clark. I, mean, I, I can ask you this. Do you think Bill Clark goes into these interviews and he has like a pet armadillo and he's like, I accept your offer, but I, you do have to make my pet armadillo co-defensive coordinator. <laughs> they're like, I'm Less sorry. And he's like, yes. They're, they're like, yes, you have to do that. Now you only have to pay him 150,000, but he has to be co-defensive coordinator. That's his only title. That's the best explanation I've heard yet. As to why Bill Clark is not the head coach in an SEC school. Uh, I was going to Missouri do, hires uh, this guy who's done a hell of a job at Appalachian State in this one season that he's been a head coach. Yes, great job, and maybe they they looked into it way deeper than I possibly could and went, I know it's just one year, but this guy is fantastic. I'm just saying there are other. How about Luke Fickle at Cincinnati? I mean, he's winning pretty big right up the road at a Midwest school. He, 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 he was almost the head coach at Ohio State, winning at Cincinnati. What, what, what's wrong with him? I mean, he's done it multiple seasons and grew up in the Power Five at, at Ohio State. So, uh, whatever. Uh, speaking of Lane, like I was earlier, uh, in the pictures I've seen, it looked like Lane 
had gained a little weight. Far be it from me to judge anybody for that because I'm certainly in my mid-40s and I have put on a few pounds. But what it tells me is Lane might be using DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and locked on. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com backslash offers. Jimmy, one thing I wanted to do today, and we're, we, we kind of got off on this whole Lane Kiffin, Eli Drinkwitz thing, so I don't know if we'll have a, you know all the time to really get into this because it's going to be an interesting question. I kind of wanted to do a what if. What and, and right. I know this is this is way out there, and I understand the likelihood. It might be more than we thought it was initially, but it's still I'm not counting on it. But what if Tua comes back? Is he good? Number, I have a few questions, and you can just fire away your answers, and I'll just put me on mute. Number one, is he going to be the most beloved Alabama player ever? And I would say yes. Number two, is he going to assuming he doesn't shatter his pelvis? I'm going to say the answer is yes. What happens to Mac Jones? I'm going to assume he transfers. And what would the team outlook be from your perspective? So I'll just let you go. Well, first of all, I think it's highly realistic that Tua comes back. I don't think it's a pipe. I don't think it's something that like we shouldn't even think as a possibility. I think it's an, a very real possibility and if Tua comes back, would he be the most beloved Alabama player ever? He he might be as is. It's it's kind of hard to imagine. You know, Tua is has reached legendary status. Uh, Jalen had before his junior year, even though he's going to be the backup. Uh, Tua would be a legend uh, already. Still, with another year to play, he would shatter every school record, assuming he stayed healthy all through 2020. Uh, he would be uh, a, a, like a living icon at Alabama while he plays the games. Uh, his popularity would exceed even the head coaches. It, it would be, it would be nuts. It would be absolutely nuts. He'd be the fifth Beatle. I mean, there's no other way to explain uh, his popularity. Alabama fans love him. Period. Uh, if he comes back, it's just. A whole nother season. Secondly, in terms of what would happen, you know, obviously you'd have to stay healthy. Tua has never really, we've never seen him make it through a season. I, I think his biggest, his biggest downside to coming back is getting hurt again, showing the NFL he truly is a guy that just can't stay healthy. Uh, and, and here's one more thing, not that I'm trying to talk Tua out of coming back. Gosh knows, as an Alabama fan, I'd love to have him back. But Right now, he's competing with Joe Burrow, who's going to be the number one pick, and Justin Herbert, who looks very shaky all the time. Next year in the draft, he's competing with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I mean, it, it, it was like a pretty crowded quarterback spot next year. Um, now, uh, in terms of who might transfer, I don't believe Mac Jones would transfer myself. Mac is uh, an Alabama fan. He's a gump. Uh, he would go into the year as the number two guy. Uh, two has been hurt before. I think Mac will go into the season knowing he's going to play quite a bit, regardless, knowing that he just as was proven, he's just always one ankle away from, from being out there. Plus, I think, I don't know this, but I think Mac graduates next December. So 
I think Mac would stay, uh, and, and if he doesn't feel like he got a fair deal with Alabama or doesn't feel like he'd be the quarterback in 2021, he might trans- grad transfer out where he'd be immediately eligible somewhere else. I, I don't think any quarterback would leave, frankly. I don't think Talia's going to leave if his brother's still on the team. I don't think Bryce Young will leave just simply because Tua came back. I think Bryce Young would use it as an opportunity to learn behind the best to ever do it at Alabama. And, of course, Paul Tyson, I mean, Paul Tyson's just, he's just Alabama as, 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 as pure as it gets. So I don't think any of the quarterbacks would leave myself. Uh, I think it would be good all the way around. The expectations would be extremely high, even to the point that Alabama not in the playoff might enter next season, preseason number two. It's kind of hard to imagine Clemson not being preseason number one with Trevor Lawrence returning. Uh, but Alabama would start out very high in the preseason polls, two, three, or four. Without Tua, I think Alabama's going to be more like five, six, or seven, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> without Tua, I think that's where we'd be. Uh, in fact, in, in, I guess – Two is coming back also, if you're going to ask that what if, you also have to say, okay, well, who's coming back with him? I think certainly he's worth one or two wins on his own. Um, now, there may be two, one or two wins that we would get anyway, but the, what I'm saying is he's worth one or two extra convincing wins, I think. But if if Devontae Smith were to come back and Henry Ruggs and Dylan Moses um, and, and maybe Xavier McKinney or something like that, all of a sudden, you're like, okay, that's – first of all, that seems ridiculous, but if that were to happen, uh, that's something a lot of – I mean, the, the, a lot of chatter out there a bit about that. Yep. And I think we all get why you – you if you're somebody like Tua, you go ahead and go pro. Um, look at somebody like Josh Jacobs. I mean, it, it certainly behooved him to go ahead and go to the pros. He's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. Um, I know he's hurt now, but he's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. And – um you know, even though he didn't have a huge workload at Alabama, because he played at Alabama and um, he did show out when he needed to, he he ended up getting a, a pretty dang good deal and going in the first round. So, and there are other times when, you know, if you come back, you could get hurt. I mean, you know, the kid from, was it Jalen Smith from Notre Dame who played in the bowl game, got hurt. The kid from Michigan, the tight end from Michigan who played in the bowl game, got hurt. But, you know, I'm sort of like you. It's sort of like the – uh sitting out the bowl games thing, I I mean, maybe it's just the bammer in me, but it's hard. I look back at, do you think, you think Derek Brown at Auburn really regretted coming back? I, I mean, it seemed to me he had a lot of fun. No, they didn't win the SEC, but they beat Alabama. They're going to go to a decent bowl game. He might not play in that, which I totally get, but I suspect he probably will. And, you know, I bet he had a pretty damn good time this year. So I you said for that, and I think Tua would actually have a lot more to, a lot more reason to come back than Derek Brown did. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of general, I mean, I have very strong feelings about this, and and I know it engenders arguments because some very smart people on the other side of my argument are very bright, know the sport as well, or better not do, and and that should be listened to. But I just have general feelings about about coming out uh, or, or staying. And one of them is pretty simple, of players who make a giant mistake. You're talking about players who, like, made the wrong decision and had to pay for it in terms of a a shorter career, 
less money, uh, really a, a decision that ended up ruining a career. The kids that that, that happened to are nine times out of ten kids that came out too early. You come out too early, and you don't get drafted where you think you are, and, and you don't graduate from college, and you, uh, you get drafted in the fourth round and not the first round, or you don't get drafted at all, and then, then the odds are really against you. Uh, I, I think a lot of, of kids that make career-ruining mistakes are the kids that came out too early. Conversely, kids that make mistakes by staying in school, yes, that's happened. Chase Young, for instance, would be making a huge mistake. I mean, Chase, come out, man. There is no reason for you to return and play college football at all, none. Um, but the kids that stay in school and, and, quote, make a mistake, oh, you should have come out while you were a hotter prospect like Cardell Jones or something. You, uh, maybe there are kids that make a mistake by staying in school, but – I think those stories are few and far between. The most common mistake is coming out too early. So for that reason alone, kids should be far more cautious about doing this. And there will be 90 kids that come out, and really only about 30 of them should have. That's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I, and I understand why some of them do. Some of them probably have to. I mean, they don't have any, they feel like they've got no choice. And so that's certainly, and I get that. I get that. Underst- understandable, I, I get that. but some kids you know, have to come I, out even if they're not going to be first round picks because they just need to come out there in a personal situation where they're like, I can't wait another year. My family needs uh, a six figure income right now. Uh, and and I, I don't begrudge uh, players that come out for that reason. I'm just saying, there are a lot of kids that come out early and they're making mistakes because they're not going to get drafted in the first round and, and, and the financial – you could go on forever about the financial ramifications of uh, – when, when you're not a first-round pick, you don't have a guaranteed contract, you are easy to cut, and your deal is not guaranteed, and the team has made no real investment in you. And I, I use Mac Wilson as an example all the time, even though one of my buddies really disagrees with me, but you know, Mac made a big mistake. And I know you could say he's making five hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and he got five hundred thousand dollars up front, and and he's a starting linebacker in the NFL, and he's working on that second contract. I would say that it has cost Mac millions of dollars if he had come to Alabama and played his senior year like he's playing his rookie year in the NFL. He would have been a first round pick, and he would have gotten guaranteed millions, and. He, he he won't have that now. He's got to work under the same rookie fifth round deal for four more seasons. And uh, I, I think Mac made a terrible mistake myself. Doesn't matter to me that he's starting and playing well and cruising towards a second contract. What if he gets hurt in year two? He'll get cut in year three. No, I'm with you no on guaranteed that. Guaranteed deal. Yeah, I think he did. In fact, that's probably the poster child for somebody. But I don't know. You know, Deontay Thompson, probably the same thing. I think Deontay and Mac yep. both should have come back. And if both of them had come back, I feel like we're probably undefeated in talking about where we're playing in Atlanta against, uh, I don't know, Oklahoma or whatever. Right. So More importantly for or them, maybe, would they be in the first round? Maybe. See, guys, yeah, you know, guys like Mac or even Deontay, maybe they could have come back and worked their way into that first round. Some guys can't. Like Devontae Smith, 
he's not a first round pick this year and is not going to be a first round pick next year. That that's beyond his control. He he's only 170 pounds or so. He 170 pound receivers just aren't drafted in the first round. Uh, it's incredibly rare for that to happen. So, you know, but a player like Mac Wilson who didn't have a good junior year, but who has size and speed measurables which say first round, well, he could have improved and worked his way to the first round. He could have, but he didn't give himself that chance. All right, buddy. We probably need to wrap up this episode, but uh, first of all, thanks everybody for tweeting us, trying to figure out uh, the, you know, the screenshot thing. A a friend of mine who's an all by chance, uh, he said that, okay, I don't think we're doing this screenshot thing right. There's, we're supposed to screenshot something on Spotify. And I have no idea what he's talking about, explanation of this. So I'm going to encourage everybody to continue to just send me screenshots of their listening to Locked On Bama. I don't know if that's right. I'm going to keep tweeting it back to Locked On Live. And if they tell me, um, and if they, uh, then uh, we can all riot together. How about that? <laughs> Perfect solution. And uh, keep tuning in because uh, we're a week from early signing day. And we're very excited about uh, recruiting here at Locked on Bama. And we're going to be talking in depth about the kids committed to us who are going to sign with us next Wednesday, as well as discussing the possibilities of who we might be adding or culling between now and next Wednesday. Let's, uh, Let's see if we can get John Garcia on tomorrow. He just took a job with Sports Illustrated, by the way. Well, he's well deserving of anything that's viewed as a as a bump up. That dude knows his stuff. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a super guy too. So hopefully, maybe we can get him on for tomorrow's podcast. But uh, Jimmy, that's going to do it for today. Roll Tide, buddy. Roll Tide.